The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. New top 200 prospect rankings on the site, James. Now, a little bit different you know, guidelines here for this one because your last update, you removed anybody who was on the Major League roster, but now you're leaving guys on who will probably still have prospect eligibility uh, heading into 2016, correct? Right. Now, there was a little bit of guesswork here just based on when the list was released. Uh, hmm. You know, for instance, a guy like uh, Byron Buxton, I decided to leave on there for now. Uh, might take him off if he exceeds his rookie eligibility. But right now, sitting at 117 big league at bats, the way the Twins are deploying him, uh, which is barely at all, mm-hmm leads me to believe that there's a about a 50 50 shot that he might still be rookie eligible going into the offseason 
Uh, that if that changes, we'll we'll update it and take him out of there. Corey Seager, obviously, still on the list as a September call up, um, and some guys like you know uh, John Lamb, uh, Brandon Finnegan, John Gray. Those guys haven't exceeded their rookie eligibility as of this moment, but mm-hmm. I anticipate that they will before the end of the season. So I left them off. Uh, yeah, so I mean, there, there's there's a good number of guys on this list that are that are also in the big leagues right now Hector Oliveira's in the big leagues uh Mats Max Kepler yeah Mats Stephen Mats of course uh Trey Turner so I mean yeah there's there's guys in the big leagues that are on here but they all most of them at least Buxton really being the only one on here who could come off uh and then there's a couple pitchers who maybe if they get shut down unexpectedly could end up moving on to here but uh, for the most part, this is the collection of guys that you'll have on going into the offseason. Yeah, and we wanted to get this up at this time, just following September call-ups, but there will be another update for the magazine. Right. And do you see, you know, I know you put very uh, a lot of work into this, but then those next rankings, I mean, they, they could be it could be different based on off-season evaluations. Well, uh, things can change. Right. Well, it's, I mean, I'll probably spend about, three times as much uh hours uh researching the one for the magazine as i did this one so you know and we'll be doing a ton of outlooks and stuff like that uh and you know research that i find throughout that process can can change some things i mean this is just kind of hopefully a really good snapshot of the the general 200 ish guys that you should have your eye on going into the off season uh the order I would say the order at the top, you know, at least within the top, say, 50 or so guys is going to be fairly similar to what it is at the magazine because those are guys who uh, I know a lot about uh, just from, you know, months and months and months of kind of following what they've been up to. Uh, I could see more movement kind of in the bottom 100, I guess. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I think this is a pretty useful list. I, I thought that this was really kind of surprising just how many guys I had to leave off that I felt were 200 top 200 caliber mm-hmm. uh, relative to other top 200s I've done. And that was surprising given all the graduations, but really a ton of talent in the minors right now. And a lot of guys coming in from that last draft class that have kind of hit the ground running. And, you know, a lot of guys that maybe were international signings a couple years ago that, really excelled in in rookie ball this year and uh had to leave a, a lot of guys off really that uh, most most of the time would have found a way into the top 200 yeah definitely and i think this is a, a very useful list we're going to focus primarily on the top 100 during this episode touch on the the, the second half of, of the list next week but any big risers that you were kind of surprised that you were you found yourself bumping up as high as you did one guy that jumps out just in the top ten, Blake Snell. I mean, you've been pretty high on him, but uh, pushing up this high is a little surprising to me. But anybody else kind of in that same vein? Uh, yeah, Bla- I mean, Blake Snell. I, I guess my my evaluation of him as you know future kind of safe number three mm-hmm. at the last uh, update has kind of changed to a safe number two with the upside to possibly be an ace because he's got four above average pitches and really 
extremely advanced pitchability. And, you know, another guy I kind of like that who rose about 40 spots or so from where I had him on the last rankings is Orlando Arcia. Uh, just kind of I'm fully buying into him as an above average regular being his floor at shortstop. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that I, you know, I used to think that maybe eight to 10 homer power was kind of what you're going to see during his, his peak years. And I actually kind of think that that actually might be closer to, you know, 15 to 20 homer power. And then when I compare him to guys, so that there's kind of an interesting uh, grouping of shortstops here in the top 20 at, Tim Anderson, 14, Orlando Arcia, 15, J.P. Crawford, 16, Trey Turner, 18. When I compare Arcia to Crawford and Turner, who I think a lot of people might have ranked ahead of him, I just see more uh, more safety, I guess, in the the floor and as much or more potential in the power and speed categories. Yeah. So. I didn't anticipate really going into this ranking that I would have Arcia ahead of a guy like J.P. Crawford, but in the end, I just I felt that you know if I could in a dynasty league, I think I would make that swap. Yeah, he's really been a, a steady riser throughout the year. Everything I've seen from scouts on Twitter, just people in the industry, uh, I mean, his stock is soaring. He's really impressing everyone around the league one of the hottest commodities in the minors right now and I actually really like that you have him ahead of Crawford Crawford five homers seven steals 781 OPS and I know you're still a believer in the guy but I'm with you as far as Arcia having more power speed upside eight homers 25 stolen bases for Arcia at at that same level so uh, I'm right there with you as far as Arcia just getting back to Snell real quick have him ahead of glass now now is that largely because you think he's safer, or, or maybe it's because of the uh, the control, the advanced and uh, well, better control? Yeah, I mean, kind of one and the same there. I think he has significantly better control, and therefore he is yeah. significantly safer. Uh, Glass now probably more strikeout upside. I would, I mean, even even that's kind of tough to say, uh, just given how how dominant Snell was this year, but. I would still, you know, if I had to predict one guy to to strike out 250 in a year, it would be Glass now out of those two. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think Snell's going to be an easy 200, 220K guy during his peak years, and I think that that'll come with uh, very low ratios. So Glass now, still love him, but just comparing him to Snell, it's it's really hard not to give Snell the edge there based on the the safeness and the control. Just to run down the top ten for our listeners here, Corey Seager, Manning the top spot, Nomar Mazzara, number two, Byron Buxton, three, number four, Yon Moncada, five, Lucas Giolito, six, A.J. Reed, seven, Julio Urias, eight, Jose Barrios, nine, Blake Snell, ten, Joey Gallo, then 11, Tyler Glass. Now, I think we talked last or uh, a couple of shows ago maybe about Seager versus Mazzara. I think you, you mentioned that Mazzara was your top players still left in the minors but is the gap between Seager and Mazzara pretty thin so I've definitely been on record I I think uh I think Seager Seager's draft day or draft day price tag going into next year is going to be uh way out of the range of what I'm going to be willing to pay for him Mm. um for the purposes of these rankings it doesn't really matter like 
like for instance in a dynasty league if i own Corey seager i can like in 90 percent of situations i can trade him to nomar mazara's owner and get something else along with mazara just based on what their their current values are i think across you know dynasty leagues so i i might take mazara over seager if we're just going to gamble on what are what are you going to get from these two players over the next say five seasons uh but i don't need to take mazara over seager mm-hmm. like you know i don't I, if i own seager i can get mazara plus something so i think this is more useful than if i just went by you know i think no more mazara might be the best player well you don't need to necessarily mm-hmm. offer him straight up or offer seager straight up for mazara i mean you can get more so uh and with just how good Seager's been in the big leagues, as much as I love Mazzara, he hasn't done that yet. Yeah. So plus uh, the position, right? The position. Uh, still not sure how long Seager stays at short, but even if it's just for a couple of years, that's that's still plenty valuable. Um, and that, it was actually kind of a tougher call between Mazzara and Buxton at the the two three spot there. Really, still love Buxton. I'd I'd be trying to acquire him and in your dynasty leagues if you can right now because i think this is about as low as his value will ever be i think it's a pretty big shame the way the twins have sort of handled him this year i saw a really good tweet from jim callis you know he said it's it's crazy how much hate i'm getting for buxton's struggles when he's 21 and they rushed him and like he's not getting regular bats like this is just kind of a, a complete mishandling of an elite talent by the the twins organization to kind of, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been rushed the way he was before that injury. And then maybe, you know, if, if you were going to not play him after he struggled, then you probably shouldn't have called him up at all. And you should have just left him in the minors to finish out the minor league season. Uh, Really just, you know, Paul Molitor, I think he, he pinch hit for Buxton a couple weeks ago in a, in a key spot and and had Danny Santana come in to, to hit for him and he was like and he was asked about it after the game and he was like well you know have you guys been watching him he hasn't been hitting and it's like well dude Danny <laughs> Santana's hitting 158 on the year yeah. or whatever and, Dan, and Danny Santana has <laughs> yeah and it, it's it's I mean if Buxton with Buxton you he can beat out a ton of stuff in the infield if he gets on he's gonna steal second I mean there's just way more reason to to leave in a guy like that, and that just kind of is a microcosm of the way they've been handling him lately, and it's it's kind of a shame. And I I really am trying not to ding other Twins prospects because of it going forward. Yeah, I, I think it is really a shame. It, the playing time, especially over the past like week, week and a half, has been minimal. I it's, mean, he started one game of a doubleheader recently, but he's been a bench player, and I mean. I guess they're still still technically in the hunt for a wild card spot, but that makes zero the sense. The fact that he's at 117 at bats and needs 13 more to lose his rookie eligibility, and I'm gambling that he pretty may not reach that, is kind <laughs> yeah. of telling 50, us. 50. To, yeah, I mean, yeah, he may or may not get 13 at bats the rest of the way. Well, jumping down the list, but sticking with the Twins, Max Kepler, a surprise late September call up, surprising at least to me. But you have him I at called, 25. I called that. Yeah, very nice. I, I mean, he's surprised. on the forty man, so yeah. it was 
fairly i mean it, it, it definitely was in the realm of possibility there but just surprising uh, that he wasn't among the first wave yeah did you check if, if he's available in scale 2 or not you know i haven't yet but i was going to be setting my waivers yeah. or um, my fab bids i mean i'm soon. i'm pulling for you to be the one to own him <laughs> since i have zero money and and uh <laughs> cannot acquire yeah. said max kepler said said german utility player um yeah. as tom hodrick expanding the game <laughs> um but yeah no he's i mean he's a just a stud uh love the versatility position wise you have him 25 overall on the on the yeah. top 200 and it's it's you know we talked about this i i completely omitted him i think that that was last week when we were talking about outfielders i i completely uh forgot about him because i had him so far down on the last rankings uh but yeah i mean he's definitely right in that mix where it's really hard to kind of pick between some of these guys i have him you know, right behind Aaron Judge, Raimel Tapia, Manuel Margot, Luis Brinson, Clint Frazier, and you could mix that order up in any which way you want, and I wouldn't wouldn't argue with you. Uh, guys even behind him, like Bradley Zimmer, David Dahl, Billy McKinney. I mean, they're they're all so close, but I think Kepler. Uh, you know, the across the board uh, skills and the fact that I think he's kind of a ways off from actualizing all of his tools, really. I mean, I think you're just sort of seeing a guy start to scratch the surface of what he's capable of. And that's, that's kind of scary. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because I mean, numbers this year, very good. I mean, 947 OPS MVP of the Southern league, but nine homers, 18 stolen bases. Do you expect maybe the power to, to, to increase and maybe the speed to play, uh, if you were to bat at a higher higher spot uh, high spot in the well, order in the twins line you know i think uh it's really dangerous to kind of pay a ton of attention to guys steals totals mm-hmm. when they're uh like for okay for instance like i think it's it's totally fair to read a ton into yon mancada's steals because he's like 50 for 53 or whatever yeah. and that's that shows that that's he insane. knows what he's doing and he's got legit speed uh Guys like Trey Turner, uh, J.P. Crawford, Max Kepler, I don't think it's fair to just look at their minor league steals totals because I think a lot of that is just their comfort level with with swiping bases may not be there just yet. Uh, We really just – it's hard to say. I mean, it it wouldn't surprise me if a guy like Kepler in two years was stealing 30 bases. It wouldn't surprise me if he was stealing 10. Uh, Trey Turner, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he stole – 40 next year if he's playing every day so i think it's hard to kind of read all the way into some of those steals totals but yeah i mean i think kepler just overall as a player you know kind of late to the game late to picking up baseball the fact that he was able to do that all that this year as a as a 22 year old i think really kind of speaks to the talent in the in the package and and really excited to kind of see what he does in the next couple of years Definitely a guy that you recommend if you're in any kind of keeper league, any kind of dynasty keeper league, going out and acquiring now because he probably should be a keeper heading into to next year. Right, and he's yeah. one of those guys, you know, we, we talked about Blake Snell. He might be out there, uh, Jose De Leon. Like, there's there's guys who may not have been owned coming into the year who are now, you know, top 30-ish guys. And this is the perfect scenario because you, you get them called up, and, you know, most a lot of keeper leagues – uh, dynasty leagues you can't add a guy who's in the minors but now that he's with the major league team 
probably can get him for pretty cheap too. So might as well uh, pay up and, and have him on your roster for next year. Guy right behind him on the list, Fla- Franklin Barreto of Oakland, shortstop, came over uh, in the Josh Donaldson deal, if I'm not mistaken. But he's only 19. A wrist injury did end his season, but he's a pretty big riser on this list. So I think he was outside of your top. 50 coming into the year just outside the top 50 or so but 26 now on these top rankings do you think heading or do you think this time next year we're maybe talking about Barreto I mean he's only 19 had 13 homers mm-hmm. at the high level at that age and at that position do you think he could be a guy at this time next year we're talking as a top 10 prospect oh yeah no question I think you look at that list and you look at some of the guys that are going to graduate in front of him and you kind of look at his, like you said, his his age, his his upside. Uh, definitely someone that that is a smart guy to peg as a as a top ten guy, possibly at the end of next season. Uh, really, really toolsy. Uh, I was I was happy to see him kind of. You know, there was a part a time in the season there where uh, he was sort of stalling a little bit, but I thought he really kind of finished strong and. You know, to have the batting average where it was, uh, you know, he's a guy that I've always been, you know, a little wary of whether or not he's he's kind of selling out for for power. Uh, finished the year on just a tear. I, looking at it right now, over over his last. Did he end up returning? Yeah, he well, he returned for like a week or so, okay. and he went kind of nuts. I think uh, let's see, seven hits in his last four games. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's healthy. I think that next year you could see him assigned aggressively. I think that the, the tough thing with him is that his defense, defensive chops may not have him be a slower riser than the bat may indicate. You know, I think there's, there might still be questions as to whether he can stick at shortstop, but if they were to just kind of promote him as the, the bat warrants, you could see him sort of up in double a by maybe midsummer next year. So, I mean, that that's definitely an exciting guy to keep your eye on given the age. Very interesting guy. I have in SKL one and two, and I'm pretty happy with that. Nice. Uh, just, I just love the, the power at that position, the power potential mm-hmm. for a guy who's only 19, but moving down on the list, just two spots, Bradley Zimmer, some news coming down on him just yesterday has a hairline fracture in his foot. Doubtful to play in the Arizona fall league. A bit disappointing for us. Just yeah. Gonna be that was, there bummed about that (laughs) but not something that's going to affect his no i didn't i didn't alter his ranking at all based on that news he'll he'll be ready to go for for spring training and uh struggled when he you know after his promotion to double a but i mean this is an advanced bat for sure and and only you know less than 200 at bats there i think he just hits the ground running uh next year and that's a definite position of weakness on that that roster i mean Mm -hmm. i think the indians are a team that's going to be very trendy as a a team to possibly unseat the royals going into next year based on the way they're finishing this season uh gaping hole in in center field really so i think they might kind of tread water uh use a glove first guy out there you know for most of the year but i think you could see zimmer up sometime around the all-star break as long as he's he's tearing the cover off the ball Jumping down a little bit further here. I think it's interesting. You have these guys back-to-back, Brendan Rodgers, Dansby, Dansby Swanson at 34 and 35, respectively. I think it's interesting because you had those two flipped, I think, in your last update. 
just Swanson's safety, you know, the the floor with him mm-hmm. had him slightly ahead of Rodgers. But now are you thinking the, the upside with, with Rodgers is too good to pass up here when picking between the two? Uh, I just think that Rodgers has had more time to kind of get acclimated to, to professional ball uh, compared to Swanson, who's who's dealt – dealt with some issues uh physically uh i i I mean they're right like you said they're back to back i could easily if i were to do this update in two weeks switch that order a little bit but uh you know rogers hit enough uh yeah i mean he he slugged 420 as a 18 year old in the pioneer league or a 19 year old in the pioneer league so uh that's that's pretty impressive so yeah i mean i think the sky's the limit with him i lo- obviously love the future home ballpark he's he could end up being a pretty fast riser for a, a high school player but i also would love to own swanson in any format really you have rogers eta 2019 so i mean could end up debuting a little before then but it's going to be a, a long wait if you end up grabbing him in drafts next spring uh james this is a baseball prospects podcast we both play fantasy football if you think you're good at fantasy football, prove it at FanDuel.com. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. The money is real. They're paying out over $75 million a week this football season. Building a team is easy. Just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, sit back and watch your team win. Entry fees start at just $1. Anyone can play. You know fantasy football. Prove it at FanDuel.com. You know, I had a, I had a rough week last week in the in the roadwire free roll, roll too. Sam Bradford, I've been killing me. It was pretty terrible. How, how <laughs> did you back, end up Did doing you go that? back to that well? Is yeah, that I went back to that out? well. I believe too much in the system, and that's been my fatal flaw, not only this year but last year too with Nick Foles. I think really the only thing I got right last week was my riding the Bucks. You know, I rode rode Jameis Winston in that Fanduel. That was brilliant competition and you know for for the amount of money i paid for him i think he was maybe one of the two or three cheapest starters on the board uh and then also faded the bucks and survivor those two plays looked good the rest of the things i did last week in in fantasy (laughs) terms did not play out so well so i mean you're gonna get gonna get back on that horse this week it was uh, i had a good week one terrible week two i think that was the case for a lot of people a lot of injuries anybody can you give me one name maybe you're targeting this week as a potential option on Fandle? uh you know i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm going back to Devonta adams one more Ooh. one more week in a row i i practice today but. i i rode him first two weeks i think everybody's just gonna be off of that and yeah, I mean, I obviously check the his status going into that game, but um, yeah, I, I expect him to play. And you know, I think if you, if I bought into him the first two weeks, uh, jumping jumping ship now when his value's at his lowest, his ownership's going to be at his lowest, would just be a, a real coward's move. So uh, <laughs> definitely going back to that. Well, yeah, I think I, I gonna think about Tyrod Taylor just because the price is pretty cheap and. The rushing safety net is, is very appealing to me. But guys, go to FanDuel.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use my code RWP and sign up now. Special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it up to 200 bucks. It gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. Offer only good for the first pe- first 50 people that use my code RWP today. 
Don't forget to use my code RWP. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. I'm guessing RWP stands for Rotowire Prospects, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm <laughs> guessing you're right. <laughs> I'm guessing so, but it's something where uh, hopefully people use that code. I don't know for sure, but uh, I don't know how many of our listeners play fantasy football, but hopefully some start if, if you're on the fence. It is fun, uh, especially with fantasy baseball season winding down. Good to good to keep your toes in the fantasy game. But we'll move on on this top 200, updated top 200 prospect rankings. Jesse Winker down at 37. He's really kind of been a guy that's uh, kind of just stood pat on these rankings throughout the entire year. Several updates throughout the year, but... 37 on on this list. You don't expect him to be an option at the start of next year? No. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of see what the Reds and the Brewers do with their prospects that are at double A or, or higher. Uh, the Brewers seem to, you know, there were some rumblings coming out of their camp that Arcia's uh, you know, they're not going to hold him down for monetary reasons because they anticipate – signing him to a extension so that they're not they're not worried about six years down the road i i don't know new you know new gm in there we'll we'll kind of see what happens there i definitely expect the reds to kind of play the waiting game with a lot of their top guys just because both of those teams are i mean anyone's smart enough to see that your window to win is is not now uh, the brewers window to win is not now it's multiple years down the line given given how stacked that division is so I think Winker's a guy, just based on what he did this year, I mean, I, I love that he got on base at a, a 390 clip. Uh, give him some more time, though, to kind of get that get that power into games a bit more and, mm-hmm. and kind of see uh, just how good he can be at the, the upper levels of the minor league. So, yeah, I think, you know, maybe he'll be an option in the second half next year, but not someone I'm going to be targeting in, in single-season leagues. Now, proximity plays a pretty big part in, in these rankings. I mean – it's not all proximity, but at the same time, I'm a little surprised to see a guy like Anderson Espinoza, who's 17 years old, at, at number 53 overall. I'll admit, I don't know a ton about this guy, but I mean, a lot of strikeouts this year, a lot of walks too, though. But what is it about him specifically uh, that you really like and, and pushes him this high on your list? Well, he's uh, <laughs> he's like one of the five or six guys on this list that has legit ace upside i think mm-hmm. and i really struggled like with with where to put him i actually initially had him in the 30s um ended up bumping him down just wow, because 30s. it's i mean he's just a really special prospect and i imagine that the the clamor to get him in dynasty leagues next year is just going to be crazy i mean there's just going to be so much hype built up around him going into into drafts i think you're going to be surprised where he ends up on a lot of lists uh going into the year uh really kind of reminds me a bit of of julio urias just for how young he's going to be at each level i mean he he reached high a or reached low a made one start there before uh the season ended uh probably going to start there next year and could get to high a maybe even double a next year because i mean the stuff is that advanced and i think that they're going to want to be pretty aggressive i mean the the way that they've moved him so far suggests that they they are going to be pretty aggressive with him i mean he was their top uh signing 
in the the J2 period last year and he already made it to low A so wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets to to high A or double A by the end of next year and then you're going to be talking about an 18 year old uh, just super stud phenom that throws uh, in the upper 90s and has uh, plus breaking ball good change up and I think at that point it's going to be you know you can get pretty much anything you want for him so hard to kind of judge where to rank guys like this because obviously like i mean the risk is also kind of through the roof because of the limited experience in in a full season league like i said just the one start i think it might have been three innings or something like that but and with with pitchers we're always we're always cautious but you know i mean he's definitely pretty special and the upside there is is kind of insane so i'm taking it you're going to be drafting him in the with your first pick in the reserve (laughs) um I might not be able to. I don't know where I'm picking in that reserve round, but if I'm not picking in the top two or three, I would wow. kind of be surprised if he was there just because I fully anticipate most of these guys that are that are more established names going in the auction. So mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a lot of people just kind of – because when you're picking like that high, you really, really want to hit – on a guy who's got sort of star potential mm-hmm. in the lower levels of the minors, and I think he really fits the bill there. Young arm who just made his first career major league start yesterday struggled, but Frankie Montas uh, checking in here at number sixty nine on your top two hundred, really just working with that fastball slider right now. I'm not all that surprised to see him struggle to get through a major league lineup a couple times, but uh, you still think maybe he's kind of in that same boat as a guy like Kepler, where you know dynasty keeper leagues probably should be picked up right now heading into the off season. Yeah, no, yeah, owned, yeah, for know? sure, for sure. Uh, in leagues where where you know seventy five or one hundred prospects are owned, he should definitely be owned. I, I actually think he might start the year next year back in the the minor leagues. Uh, you know, he was on the forty man, so calling him up uh, late in the season wasn't wasn't any sweat off their backs. But I think he's obviously got some refinement left as a starting pitcher. I think right now he could be just a lights out reliever if they wanted to go that route but uh, he's shown kind of more so than than some other guys you know we, we've talked about plenty of guys in the past uh, Alex Meyer Kyle Crick guys like that who probably you know were left in the starting role a bit too long I think Montes hasn't really shown anything yet that says they should stop down this de- developmental path but I do think he might spend uh, some more time in the minor leagues next year before joining that rotation do you think maybe they send him back to work on a third pitch do you think it's necessary that he adds that third pitch it's gonna be necessary if he wants to be a good starter in the big leagues for years to come Mm -hmm. I think guys can kind of get by on two pitches for their first 15 20 starts in the big leagues if, if the stuff's good enough but you know you saw with a guy like Shelby Miller really needed to to add that third pitch before he kind of found his second wind as a big league starter so I think that'll that'll come in time and and you know Don Cooper probably one of the best guys to kind of work with on on getting that third pitch so I don't think that that's going to be a prerequisite for him getting back to the big leagues but uh, fastball command will will definitely be key yeah I mean that high 90s heater uh, he's going to be able to carve out a major league career with that if it's in the bullpen I mean, that's not the end of the world if you're yeah. in the Dynasty League because, I mean, they have a set closer now, but he could be a, a top top 10 closer sure. if, if he were to step into that role. Moving down on the list, 
Peter O'Brien checking in at 88. I mean, the power potential of this guy is outstanding, and I think the, the team has talked about, you know, maybe there's a chance they could return him back behind the plate next season. Uh, maybe not completely willing to give up the, the catching assignment there, but I think he actually asked to be taken out from behind the plate. He, he wanted to uh, move out to the outfield. Does the fact that he's just an outfielder now uh, kind of, you know, not having that catcher eligibility kind of kill his appeal to a large extent? Uh, I mean, no, not necessarily. I mean, he's I put him in the top 100, so, I mean, there's not a ton of guys that can match his power potential. Uh, what worries me a little bit more is just I don't know where he fits on that big league roster mm-hmm. if he's not catching because – you know, if it was an obvious kind of shoe in that he would be there, they're starting starting in an outfield corner for them sometime next year, then that would be awesome. And I'd be, I mean, you're going to get more plate appearances from him that way than you would as a catcher. But right now, they actually have a really sneaky good outfield with Inciarte and Peralta kind of having breakthrough years, one with the bat, one with the glove. And, and Pollock, I, I mean, yeah, ob- obviously Pollock, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a obviously a stud so I don't know where O'Brien plays I, I wonder if they're going to possibly move some pieces around this offseason uh, but yeah I mean couldn't keep a guy with his power and his proximity to the big leagues outside the top 100 yeah I mean losing the catcher catcher eligibility kind of hurts but I think that was largely expected for the past I was years. I've never really been ranking him uh, mm-hmm. over the past year or so I've never really factored him being a catcher into his ranking I always just kind of assumed that that wasn't going to be uh, the case long term right behind him Ozano Albies I know we talked about him several months back seems like you're a little lower on him than, than some prospect evaluators really great speed but you don't really expect well obviously you, like with O'Brien you have him in your top 100 so you're you're not you know completely down on him but why is it exactly that you have him maybe a little lower than some other evaluators? Uh, no power, uh, long ways away, and a lot of the reason he gets pumped up by other people is because of his defense. So don't really care how good he is defensively. The fact that he has no power uh, is not ideal. I mean, there's there's plenty of shortstops that have you know ten homer power, and that's that's still plenty useful, but. Um, you know, he's, I mean, so basically if he kind of hits his ceiling, he's Elvis Andrews and that's a fine player. That's not a player that's really going to make or break you in terms of winning your dynasty league year in or con- competing in your dynasty league year in, year out. So, uh, definitely like him, but I obviously am going to probably hear about where I ranked him from some Albies owners and I'm definitely not going to own him anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You get some some chirps in the the comments section for sure. Some of your articles. One last guy I want to touch on from your top 100 here. We'll touch on the second half of this top 200 next week, but Jake Thompson, big part of that, the Cole Hamels deal going from Texas to Philadelphia. He seems like one of, at least among the top 100, one of the bigger fallers. Am I right? Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely accurate. Um, He was tough because, I'm just not sure. I don't know what he is really. I, it's an awesome slider. And, you know, of all the guys I kind of talked to down when I was visiting that team, he was the one who I just, just from briefly talking to him, I wasn't super impressed with huh. kind of 
his makeup, I guess, uh, just in, I mean, very hard to read uh, too much into that. But I mean, there were, you know, guys like Nick Williams, Norma Mazzara, Jorge Alfaro, just, every, I mean, uh, just the entire kind of experience of talking to them about their game was, was very, uh, eye opening in a good way. Yeah. In a, in a good way, like eye opening. And with mm-hmm. him, it wasn't uh, quite that way. And the fact that he's now been traded twice, I don't, like to hold that against guys too much but when it sort of fits in with with something like that I think it, it there might be something there so uh you know still a top 100 guy I think his he's got so much to work on other than that slider though in terms of fastball command and, and his control so uh yeah I mean I think that there there might be a number three starter in there but I think it's probably going to come with a an iffy whip and he might kind of have some some lean years before you really start to get a payoff there. It's very interesting. I don't know if we if you really mentioned that when we did that initial review of your trip there. I know you said Mazzara had like eighty chill, but hey, sounds hey, like Mazzara Thompson. had like eighty everything. Eighty <laughs> smile. Eighty <laughs> Sounds like Thompson maybe a little lacking on the uh the intangibles there. But yeah, I think I just think that's interesting. Just the fact that as you point out, traded twice and you couple that with with what you just noticed. I mean, you don't want to yeah, I think it's wise to, you know, you don't want to discount a guy too much because of any of those things. But uh, couple that together, and there's reason to be a bit hesitant. So uh, just want to throw this out there. Uh, we didn't, we haven't mentioned anyone sheer yet on, on this pod. <laughs> nope. Uh, you know, Anderson Espinosa definitely has plenty of sheer. Uh, you know, I think I think two guys, though, that really, really stand out in the in the sheer category to me are, are sitting there at, at 41 and 42. Javi, Javier Guerra with the, the Red Sox, Bobby Bradley with the Indians. A lot um, of sheer. I mean, really 80 sheer with both of those guys. <laughs> you, you look at Bradley, a guy that, that hit 30-plus homers in his first, first full season uh, appearance. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. And don't, don't really want to toot my own horn too much, but that was a guy that I was way high on compared to everybody else coming into the year. And, and he has emerged as probably a, a top five, uh, power prospect in the minors. Obviously you're going to have to wait a couple of years on that bat. Javi Guerra, you know, kind of the same thing just at the shortstop position. I mean, both of these guys are, uh, 19 years old. Guerra hit, hit 15 bombs this year and, and, low a and hit more than his teammate Raphael Devers who everyone has as one of the other big power prospects in the in the minors so I think it's it's really kind of exciting it's going to be interesting to see what those two are able to do when they get more aggressive assignments next year with the the power yeah a lot of sheer there I'm really excited about Yon Mankata's sheer oh man uh, the sheer, sheer potential through the man. roof <laughs> I really wish I could have gotten down to Greenville to see him and a guy like Devers too a uh, lot of sheer in that Boston organization. Mm-hmm. With that turnover, though, at the front office, it's going to be interesting to see if any of those guys, uh, the high-end guys, get, get moved this offseason. But that'll do it for the prospect portion of the show. Thank you for listening. We're going to grade out our latest hip-hop group based on the five tools we've established for evaluating hip-hop groups on the 20 to 80 scouting scale. Lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, swag, and then we'll give out an overall grade. Last week, G units, uh, G unit. Not a lot oh, of oh, sheer. Last night or last week was Mob Deep. Oh, I'm and, sorry. Yep, and, uh, that's right. Mob Deep. Two weeks G ago, unit, G unit. Yeah. yeah, G unit. Not a lot of sheer. No, no, no. Very little sheer. No. Locks. None to speak of, actually. Yeah, none at all. <laughs> <laughs> Locks. Not 
Uh, very little sheer as well, I'd say. The locks are who we're grading out this week. Uh, if you've forgotten about the locks, shame on you, but Sheik Luch, Styles P, and Jadakiss, you know, when they came onto the scene, I remember Money, Power, Respect, they really kind of burst on and were impact players from the start. Yeah, they kind of came into a perfect situation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you would—I don't know what the the baseball equivalent for that would be—but you know, coming up with a bad boy when Biggie was still around, when you know P Diddy and Mace were were doing it, like it's the height of bad boy. Right, right. I mean, well, yeah. The, well, without the, question, the the unquestioned height of bad boy. I think it was about a, a one one and a half year height. Uh, they were there for that and. Uh, you know, even got name dropped by Biggie in some songs. I mean, they, they definitely kind of had everything going for them. So, uh, really, anything, any failures they had as a group was, I mean, they really just had to look in the mirror. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and we, I mean, they had that money, power, respect, and that debut album. I mean, I was a day one uh, purchaser of that album. I, I had to have. Oh, it. nice. I mean, I just thought. Well, I don't actually remember that, but I, I remember having the album and having it very shortly after it came out and pretty good from top to bottom. But by the time We Are the Streets came out in 2000, kind of off the radar for me already. I now, mean, very short Interesting because they not only were they there for the, the height of Bad Boy, they were also there for the height of Rough Riders, who we gra- yeah, recently graded out. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, to kind of have two, cha- two, two bites at the apple to really capitalize on, on the fame that came along with being prominent in those two uh clicks was was definitely something not many groups have had i i never purchased any of their albums but i had i did own uh styles p a gangster and a gentleman and yep. i also owned jada kiss uh i think it was kiss, kiss the, the game kiss the goodbye. game goodbye yeah, um, I, had that yeah I think that yeah it was kiss the game goodbye so um you know i've, I've donated some money to the cause uh oh Dude, actually, got to be completely honest and come clean here. I also owned Chic Luch's first, first solo album. I don't Whoa. even remember what that was called. But I don't uh, even know you anymore. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I'm, I was buying. That was like at the peak of my just go to Best Buy and buy yeah, whatever yeah. was I love whatever that, yeah. was new on like the hip hop on the hip hop counter. When the like, last <laughs> dawn by Master P came out, I just remember that day. That was the height of just Best Buy buying albums. Yeah. I still have a decent collection, but. Uh, a lot of money. I've, I've lost a lot of these albums through the years yeah. by just not really caring what happened to them. Um, <laughs> tried to protect yes. some of the, the good ones, but lyricism. Uh, what do you What do you have? Yeah, I, I got a thirty here. Not a lot to the lyrics. Um, I mean, very little in terms of memorable, you know, kind of anecdotes or uh, similes and any sort of rhyme scheme. To I, I just don't really uh, remember it. So I got a thirty here. Uh, flow, higher grade, but lyricism, pretty low for me. So I kind of, I respect the locks for sort of what they did. Not necessarily, I mean, like, I just remember certain songs, like one where they they featured on a Jay-Z song, Reservoir Dogs, and one, you know, on the, um, it's all about the Benjamins, uh, they they had some really good lines on those songs and then they also had some good a few few good lines on some of their their solo stuff uh so i i went with a 45 just because i felt like at at times especially with uh, a guy like jadakiss at times they were they were very very solid lyrically overall 
just just listen to a lock CD all the way through, and you probably won't be that impressed. But they could they could reach uh, pretty decent heights when they were on top of their game. So I give them a forty-five. Yeah, I think Jada himself maybe fifty-five, but I think overall the group uh, pretty low there. Flow again, I got a fifty. You got a fifty-five. They had they had flow and and you know a presence on the mic, but uh, and that carried them for the most part. But I think the flow. You know, it kind of kind of wore on people eventually. People, you know, it, it wasn't. It I mean, it wasn't rub people the wrong way. <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe I phrased that wrong, but I guess it was just was it creative though. enough to have lasting appeal. Yeah. No, I think. Uh, I also don't think that they were kind of consistent enough with yeah. what the type of flow they were going for, and I think that that's kind of evident in. Uh, sort of the style of their rapping on Money Power Respect versus the style of their rapping when they were with Rough Riders versus their styles once yeah. they broke off into solo. Like, not consistent. It wasn't, you couldn't really tell. I mean, it was like three different, completely different styles. And that's fine if it kind of seems like it's naturally happening over the time, but it, it definitely seemed like they were kind of trying to fit whatever sort of beats they were handed exactly. and, and particularly uh, true with jada i think too because yeah. he had you know i guess his you know the sound was always kind of the same but he, he'd altered like the style of his his raps and the the beat choices too you know they did a lot of commercial stuff right tried to mix with that with the grimy and it just it wasn't even yeah and i i think their their flow was at the best and i, I gave him a 55 here because when when Styles and Jada specifically, those two were kind of trading lines back and forth uh, on non uh, on like songs that weren't meant to go pop. I thought that they they at times just had a had a great flow. Yeah. Uh, so I give them a fifty five there. Longevity forty three studio albums, uh, but what again was their for, third one. Uh, I think it was. <laughs> We are the streets too, or something. <laughs> no way. Yeah, we are the streets too. Twenty fifteen. Wow. I had no idea. Uh, I was just just gonna at go the with the the run. Let's run back. We are the streets. Is that like that was the plan? Like couldn't come yeah. up with a new name for that. That's. I wonder if it's got a lot of that Swizz Beats production, just like the last one. But um, uh, I mean, it's a very short window. But at the same time, when they did branch out into solo stuff, I mean, they hung around the game for a long time. Yeah, no, I I'm, I gave them a 40 as well, kind of giving them credit uh, for the fact that they all were able to get solo albums out there. Uh, you know, got to give them credit from, for jumping from one, one hot click to the next there. But really, yeah, I mean, I, I'm only really going to count that as, as two studio albums as a group because, you know, as, I, as I said, I had no idea. Um, and I think that you should all just – ignore that album yeah. and then not not pay it any mind when you're revisiting the, the I don't Locks even know catalog. if it's actually out I just <laughs> is it rumored it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just seeing it on their wikipedia discography 2015 i i doubt it's actually out. <laughs> uh, move on to impact i got a 30 here i just don't think there was anything original no. that that really impacted not only the industry but culture again they were pretty prominent late 90s early 2000s but I don't think you ask anybody who their favorite rappers are, and I don't no. think anybody makes even the top twenty. No, um, you know, I'm that actually. I'm now I'm thinking. I feel like there was a a song, an Eminem song, possibly till I collapse, where he or 
maybe till I collapse, where he goes through his favorite MCs, and I I want to say Jada's one of them, but uh, I could see that. But like, no, I think you're you're totally right though in terms of originality, like just nothing. Mm nothing to kind of if you're just listening to their music to kind of really take from it and like have it lead you somewhere else i mean it was just kind of it just fit sort of the time when yeah. it was released and it doesn't it didn't really have a ton of staying power i mean i don't listen to any lock songs at uh, on the regular at all so uh 35 for me <laughs> on the impact yeah again i i like some of their tracks some of their solo songs but really kind of cookie cutter new york yeah. Stop. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean. I mean, they just happened to find me when I was really, really <laughs> into that. Uh, like anything to kind of come out of New York at all. Like I mean, that that late nineties. The economy was favorable. Right. Right. You know? right. Yeah. The economy was favorable. <laughs> People spent. I, I music. had money. I went to Best Buy with money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll not do that now. I, mean, I won't even buy things on iTunes anymore. Yeah. But yeah, the good good favorable environment. Yeah. Economically. <laughs> For the lock swag, I got a fifty. I I really like Styles P's swag. All right, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I really do. I think he bumped this up pretty high. Jada, he's probably a forty-five, fifty himself. Uh, Sheik, probably a twenty, but same time, no, I, no, I wouldn't. No, give, that's harsh but fair. <laughs> harsh but fair. Not a lot of sheer there. So I'll go fifty overall for me. Large part part due to Styles P. Yeah, no, I I think everything you said there is accurate. I. Gave him a 45 out of respect to, to Styles and Jada. Uh, couldn't put it any higher because of Sheik Luch being there. Uh, <laughs> Capadonna-esque, really, yeah. in, in his uh, attempts to kind of submarine the group. Um, you know, I, th- I think I think that's a really good point about Styles' swag, though. Uh, the I Get High video. Um, yeah, I mean, just one of my favorite tracks. Just, just tons of tons – of, uh, just sheer swag, really. And uh, he had the swag, and he also, I mean, the well, the lyrics weren't especially impressive, but the way he delivered them, yeah, he did it like it's simple. He did it know? with confidence. Yeah, exactly. Very confident. He was confident about everything he said. Really like that about him. Overall, forty for me. What do you got for the overall grade? Here? Uh forty-five. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Ten ahead of G Unit. S- s- a little bit below fringe, Rough Riders. Fringe for me, average. Though. They're a fringe average group. See, I had Rough Riders 45, Locks 40. You had Locks 45, Rough Riders 40. Uh, you know, I think it's a kind of a toss-up. Rough Riders, more of a, you know, less defined group. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of members in there. I guess I just like Ride or Die Volume 1 and 2 just too much to, to put them ahead of Locks, or uh, to put Locks ahead of Rough Riders. But, yeah, no, I, I think I I gave, I took some points away from Rough Riders a lot based on uh just the way the group kind of transformed into something completely unlike what it started off as yeah. uh whereas the locks you know it was the same three members you know throughout uh you know those grades should really be pretty close uh i i could go either way on that yeah. but the locks were one of the main reasons i liked the rough riders so you that's know, a good that's, point that's fair well that'll do it for this episode of the rotowire prospect podcast guys thanks for listening Hit us up on Twitter. James is at RealJRAnderson. I'm at Clay W. Link. If you have any suggestions for future episodes, take care. We'll see you next week. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. 
He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.